am here with my guest, Phoenix Pierre. Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Hi. Good to what's be up? here. Good to be here. Now, you, you are making history, small room history, because you are the first guest we have that I am wearing a suit and tie for. I, I don't okay. know. Okay. Is that, that. Is that going to be a standard for all your next episodes? Yes. All right, great. I'm glad to be a part of turning history. That's great. All right. Like, like the suit. It looks nice, man. Thanks. Now, Phoenix Pierre, tell them what you are famous for. What? Whoa. What, what am I famous? Okay. What I'm, what I'm famous for in school or what I'm famous for, like, in general? Because those are Both. two. I feel like those are. Okay. So, in school, I feel like I'm famous for constantly saying I'm going to be the Black Spider-Man. I feel like that. I feel like that is my staple. And I think that's the legacy I made for myself at, at school. It's like, oh, that's the kid who wants to be Black Spider-Man. And in general, I just think, I think my, I think what I'm famous for is probably like being an actor, being involved in the arts or being a writer, stuff like that. Just being involved in the arts, I, I, I'd say. I mean, I have no, I have no way of uh, definitively knowing that. What do you think I'm famous for? Because that, that's a. Oh, I was going to get to the acting part. I think that's what okay. you're famous for. Okay. All right. So what's it like being an actor? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. Uh. Because like I can't, my experience is different than I mean my personal experience is gonna be different than anyone else you ask. So I mean personally, it's been it's been super fun. That's why I do it. Like there are a lot of ways to interpret acting. Oh God, it's dark in here. One sec. Okay, there are a lot of different ways that um acting has come into plays in different actors' lives. But I feel like me discovering that I wanted to be an actor in high school has helped me to like focus because. Before, I'm just like, I mean, I might want to be an engineer. I might want to get involved in applied sciences. But once I started finding a love for acting, I realized that it was, um, it, it felt more natural. It felt, it felt more like me putting my energy into something that I want to do as opposed to something I felt like I had to do. So being an actor is just, it's fun, but also it has a lot of responsibility. Like you have to remember your lines. And not only do you have to know, understand a story, you have to understand where your character fits in that story and by a greater extent you have to understand where you you yourself fit in with that character you know it's it's a lot of it's a lot of commitment to an art form it's a lot of commitment to a story and i and i love that about i love about being an actor and like you said you discovered your passion for acting in high school you're in troop at gables 4076 is, is that's yeah, 0476 or all right um how, so you would say being in troop has helped you. How has it helped you? Okay. So I feel like if I'm going to explain my, why I love troop so much, I have to explain how I got into acting at Gables in the first place. So in freshman year, I was in PE and no disrespect to Gables. Yo, PE at Gables blows. It's fucking awful. It's the worst. Um, like we don't, we, we run around a lot and sometimes play sports. And I think that's boring. Like at least we didn't even play any fun sports. We didn't even play that dodgeball. I feel like the only reason why I wanted to do PE in high school was to play dodgeball. We like we can't even. I don't even know if that's like, I don't know. But we couldn't do that. And I ended up. I just didn't like PE and then in freshman year. And then at one point, I don't remember when. At some point in the year, I met Miss Barrow and uh, Miss Barrow, and she she kept saying that she wanted me in her class. And I'm just like, all right. Well, in sophomore year, I'm not doing PE again. So in sophomore year, I'll I'll join the theater class. And through that, I was like, yo, this is awesome. Like, I met great people. I met, like, Michaela. I, met, I mean, I met Michaela in freshman year. But, um, but I met people like George, Eric. Actually, I met all these people in freshman year. But I, I, got, a, I, got, I got a better relationship and a better connection to them through, the, uh, through my experience with them in acting class. And then I, uh, then I did uh, the troop audition in uh, 
sophomore year going into junior year yet. It was at the end of sophomore year. And um, this is not something I, I tell a lot of people because it's, it's terrible and don't do this if you ever want to be an actor. Because, because um, I had an idea of what I want, wanted my monologue to be for, uh, for the actual audition, but I'd never had time to write it because Ivy was stressing me out. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? But um, I wrote my monologue. I didn't write my monologue. I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about during my monologue. And then I improvised my entire monologue. Don't ever do that if you're auditioning for anything, by the way. Don't, don't do that. But that was what I did. And I felt like maybe, maybe it wasn't my best performance or maybe it was, but it was, um, it was enough to get me into troop. And through there, I was able to go to States for the first time through my large group in junior year. And then I was able to qualify for States this year with a duet that I did with Eric. Shout out to Eric. I love that, man. But uh, it's just my experience with Troop has been one of growth because it's just at first I started off with this whole idea that I want to be an actor so that I could tell a story, but I didn't know how effective I was at getting that story through through just my character alone and through my relationship with other characters and my other and my friends and stuff. But as the years progressed and as these last two years have come and gone, I've been able to grow as an actor. I've been able to find more experiences and gain training and things like that. And I feel I feel like that's that's what you need most as an actor. It doesn't matter what you study. You just need um, the drive and the passion and yeah, like some technical training. Like obviously a lot of it has to do with inner, innate talent, but uh, there's also a lot of it. There's a great aspect of being able to do like classical technique and things like that. So it's just, it's been a, like a, it's been growth pretty much. All right. So you said that you used improv and you just improvised everything to get into troupe. Would you say you're generally good at improv? Okay. <laughs> okay. See, improv, improv, uh, the improv I did was a little different than actual improvisation. Cause improv, when you say improv, it's like off the cuff, immediately coming up with stuff like Van, Van can tell you all about that. He's the president of improv troupe. Yeah. So he, he knows about that, but it's more immediately coming up with things as, uh, as they happen, like building off a scene that in itself, I'm all right at, I make people like, I'm good at the comedic aspect of that. Cause I'm always coming up with like really weird things to say, which is, which is, I'm, I'm fine at that. But in that case, it was more having an idea of what I wanted, of where I wanted to go emotionally and where I wanted to go in a storytelling perspective and then running with it and filling in the words as I went along. So I feel like when it comes to having like a foundation and then building something entirely from that, I'm, I'm really good at that. That's something I take pride in a lot. But when it comes to the actual, like, textbook improv i'm I, I could be better i'd like i like to get more experience and a lot more uh exposure with that but I, i'm all right all right and you mentioned how last year you competed in troop and this year you know co- corona covid just kind of took that way uh so la- last year when you competed in troop what was that like la- during states yeah last year that was that was awesome uh, like it, like the seniors of last year, dude, they were so cool. They were they were just they were just all. It was a great group of people going. Um, so we had our large group, and we had a couple of solos, and we had a couple of uh, duets, I think. Or we had we had I think we had like we might have had like one small group and like our, our large group, and we had like a, a soloist. And we were all in our rooms in Tampa, and we were all chilling in our rooms together. There weren't a lot of guys, but obviously because um the troop is predominantly girls, or it has been for a while. 
so uh, we uh, all the boys stayed in one room and like four boys and then it was three boys and then the rest with all the other rooms were filled with girls and it was super cool because we all got to like chill we were super independent this barrel wasn't holding us by a leash or anything it was just like okay we're gonna go here everybody be safe and like don't do anything stupid you guys want to watch a show go watch a show you guys want to go eat we're all gonna eat together at this place not only was like the environment of tampa like being with a bunch of people who love doing it that was just so fun to be a part of but like the actual shows we saw where they were they were incredible like the play the plays that were put on were really good and they were all by students so it's just like yo if people can be this good like I, that means i have to i have to work even harder it, just, it was it was eye-opening and not to mention like i have this distinct memory and i'm pretty sure like all my all my friends have to remember this from troop because i remember we were sitting we were sitting down in uh i think it was before little women or it was before a play that we were watching and i started singing bohemian rhapsody and I swear, I swear, the entire theater, the like the 700 plus people in that theater, we were all singing Bohemian Rhapsody after hearing me and a group, and me and my entire troop start singing it. It was, it, it was an eruption of music. It was the best thing because, like that kind of unity and that kind of like, I'm not gonna say hive mindset because that's that's not that that's, that's yeah you know it's not that but um that kind of mentality spanned across a bunch of people to be open and just have fun. It was, it was such a good thing to be a part of. And that's why I was super, super sad that we couldn't do it this year. And even if we did do it this year, uh, like it wouldn't have been exactly the same. Like I love everybody who was going, don't get me wrong. But it's just like, there were so many of us last time and there, and there just, there just wasn't the volume that we had last time. So we couldn't, we couldn't all grow together, you know, but it, it was still, it was still awesome. I loved it. And I, and I'm super sad that we couldn't do it this year. You know, Thanks, you're Rona. Uh, Miss Rona, uh, you know you're describing like a high school musical glee moment, right? Where everyone yes, that's why it was so cool. Oh my god! Oh wait, yeah, I'm gonna one second. Can I can I plug the play I'm in if it, uh, if, it happen, if it happens soon? Um, yeah, go right ahead. Okay. So I'm part of this play called Columbinus. It's based on it's based on well, it's more like a retelling. It's an interpretation of the Columbine shootings. It's it, we're still having rehearsal for it but we don't really know. There's no concrete date. It was supposed to be in May, but now that, you know, uh, Mr. COVID-19 has pulled up into the block, I'm not really able to say. It, it, we're hoping for it to be in early June, but it's a really good story. It's, it's, it's amazing. The characters are told really well. The, a lot of friends, a lot of people, and Gables are in it, Sam, Adrian, Leo. Uh, like they're, and it's, it's an amazing story. And it's an amazing way of interpreting the actual events and the aftermath and how people, how, not kids, but how people our age could have interpreted the actual events and having high school stereotypes shown in a way that gives more humanity to everyone, not just the people who were killed, but also the shooters. So I think it's an amazing, amazing production. I'm super glad to be a part of it. And that is the end of that. But, but coronavirus is affecting the arts because people are losing, I mean, obviously it's not always about money, but people are losing like their livelihoods because they're not able to go out and go seek auditions and they're not able to go out and be on movie sets where they're making their money. And so that's, it's, and it's not just acting, it's every type, it's every, it's essentially every facet of fine arts because yeah, writers have to connect with other people so that they can get editor, editor positions and they can go to publishers and things. And, and it's just, and with music, you can't, you can't, we can't have concerts anymore. So obviously artists are losing a hell of a lot of money. Like, wasn't Ultra canceled or something? Yeah, Ultra was canceled. And I think Rolling, Rolling Loud is, yeah, all, like, everything it, is canceled. Isn't Coachella canceled? Like, everything yes. is canceled. So so every, so the arts is taking a major hit. And that's why I don't know any particular uh, uh, 
organizations that are helping actors and like because I, I haven't been super versed in that. But um, I know that there are a lot of organizations that are helping people in the arts to get by when while this crisis is going on. So anybody who can, please donate for, for actors and just the arts in general. All right. Um, kind of related. I don't know if you've seen on Twitter everyone clowning on these celebrities like Kim Kardashian, Sia, a bunch of others. Because like, like the there are the small time actors who are just finding their place in the world and small time fine arts people who are taking hit like yourself. But then there's also, you know, the Kim Kardashians and the CIA in the world. And then they're like posting like, we're all in this together. You guys, it's like, shut the fuck up. You live in the mansion. Yeah. It's like, and wasn't Kim Kardashian selling $600 like relief packets? Like, no, that is like this. And dude, like, I love certain celebrities. Like, I love Childish Gambino. I love Zendaya. Like, I love, I love Ryan Reynolds. They're all, they're all actually going out of their way to help people. But it's not like they're saying inflammatory things like, oh, I understand right where you're at. Like, I'm at home and I can't do anything. Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not the same. When you have, like, multi-room mansions and doesn't... Like, Pharrell Williams lives in a community college. Like, it's huge. And there's, and there's no way he can compare... I mean, obviously, there's the feeling of isolation and there aren't many people you can interact with and I can't discount that for anyone. But you can't say that you feel confined in one place if your one place is the size of my school or the size of a college. Like, if I was in Gables right now alone, I wouldn't feel trapped. I would feel like I have tons of places to go, you know? But the fact that they're not able to interact with people to the extent that they normally do, I understand how that could be tolling on them and I understand the isolation making them feel like, oh... Like, I, I, I feel that you guys can't interact with people. I can't either, and that sucks. But, you know, eh, it's a little different than the whole, you know, ah, I'm trapped in one room in an apartment. It's like I'm trapped in an entire field with rabbits, trees, and deer grazing on the, in the lake. Like, you know, it's, it's, they, they feel us, but they can't really ever get to the individual level of, like, a person that they're really connecting to, you know? No, I get that. Because, I, I mean, I saw the Ellen DeGeneres and what's that guy's name? Sam Sam C, Sam um, Smith, I think. I, yeah, Sam Smith. Uh, they, they were crying and um, they were like, oh, you guys, I, this quarantine, I can't take it anymore. And then everyone was just, like dunking on them because their houses are super, super big. And I just found that funny because like this quarantine, it kind of sucks. But I'm out here. You know, I'm chilling, you know. The only thing is I wish I had, like, a bigger space so, like, me and my other family members who live with me, like, we can't, like, yeah. be, like, like we can't, like, bud with each other. But, like, like right now, I'm at my house. I'm chilling. I got Animal Crossing right here. I'm having the time of my life. I mean, everything, everything is canceled. All the activities are gone. All the acting opportunities gone. But you know what? Wow. You know what? If we could save the world by chilling at our house, it's not the worst way to. Yeah, honestly, it's not the. I feel like I feel like people should stay the fuck at home, everybody. Please, can people can people just stay home so that I can go outside in May and fucking breathe? Like, I, like I understand you want to hang out with your friends. Believe me, I feel like I'm the most qualified person to say that. Yo, I miss my friends. Like, I miss. I miss everyone. I miss Michaela. I miss Leah. I miss Jeffrey. I miss Eric. I miss Ivan. I miss, dude, I miss fucking Tor. I miss everybody, dude. It just, and I understand what it's like to miss people. But, bro, if you can stay in your house for just a little bit, the virus will pass. We will be able to go to the beach. 
We'll be able to have movies and then, I, and then we won't feel like that anymore. It's, it's really not that hard. Let the world do its thing, but just, just stay home and wash your hands. And if you have to go out, go out. Obviously, if you have to go out, if you have to get supplies, I'm not going to fault you for that. That'd be stupid. But, oh, no, um, I understand. Yeah. But, um, but just take into consideration. And if you won't do it because you, 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 know, you want to go and hang out with your friends, think about your family. Everybody has a family. I mean, come on. Like, what if I came, what if I go out to the beach with my friends? You're chilling. And you don't know that they have the virus or their parents have the virus and you give them a high five, you give them a handshake, you, I don't know. And, uh, and then they give it to you and you're living with your grandparents or you're living with your mother who's a little bit older than, because, you know, some of our parents are a little older. But, um, and then you give it to your mom and you, you don't feel anything. This is, this is after the incubation period. You don't feel anything because you're, you're 17, you're healthy and you're asymptomatic and you don't have any symptoms. But your mom is in bed and she's not feeling well and your grandma is in bed and she's not... That's, that's one, that's not fair to them because you gave it to them out of your own ignorance. And I'm sorry, but there's nothing I hate more than like people who are ignorant by choice. Because you have, if you have so many opportunities to gain information and you choose not to abide by the information, it, it makes me angry because you're doing it in spite of what you're being told. And obviously, be a rebel. Oh my God, originality, yes. But when you're putting people at risk, it's not fair. It's not fair to yourself and it's not fair to them. Because what if, what if you feel symptoms and what if you get really sick and what if your parents don't get sick and that would be great and you, you have the older demographic safe, but what if you get really sick? Like if you're not concerned about anybody else, what about yourself? Like you have to be, you have to be concerned. It's not something that we can just glaze over. Yeah, um, there's a myth with coronavirus that it only really affects either the elderly or people with... Um with disabilities, but there's been plenty of cases where people in their early 20s and early 30s have felt really sick. The thing with corona is that 75 to 80% of the people who have it feel little, mild, or no symptoms at all, and it's just kind of like a regular food for them. But here's the thing, that 20% gets really, really sick, and then, and then you know what happens? Some of the, a lot of them die. Uh, this virus has this virus has taken more people than 9/11 already and i don't know if you heard this but the trump administration is considering it a victory if only 100,000 people die from this virus and i'm telling you it's going to be more than 100,000 and i think we're going to be trapped in here longer than may if people just keep on going outside and uh, un, like for non-essential gatherings but yeah yeah it's just it's I, one i find that insane i mean like how could how can anyone consider a hundred thousand deaths a victory like no that, that's that's crazy to me i mean that's why i know i can never be a politician there's too there's too much gray in terms of morality and in terms of what's considered a victory and what's considered a failure and um i mean i i mean if it continues the way it's it has been up until now like people going out the stupid ass fucking college spring breakers coming down to florida so that they can that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire, in my entire, I've been alive for 18 years, Alex. And that's the dumbest shit I have ever heard. I don't care. If I get coronavirus, I get coronavirus. Fuck you. I don't want coronavirus. And it's just, ah, oh my God. That is frustrating in itself. And it's, and it's not, and it's not fair. But it's just the way that, the way that people are handling it in terms of people in power isn't, isn't great either. Like they're, they're, I mean, 
I mean, now that we're finally being on like a, a more mandatory or a more enforced, or is it being enforced? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Uh, Ron DeSantis signed an executive order a few days ago recommending social distancing across the entire state and all okay. non-essential gatherings are closed. Basically, that means everything's closed except for hardware stores and grocery stores and pharmacy stores. Cool. All right, that's good. But um, yeah, but up until now, people, people were just like, ah, we'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? And then like, you know this this now i'm now i gotta be home for another month being frustrated as <laughs> frustrated as hell doing online schooling having to do an assignment for a class where i have to draw but also it has to be on a powerpoint like i don't like it's 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 not just it's frustrating for everyone because nobody everybody dreams of working from home until they get to work from home and they hate it like and like it, this is this is just a, it's a result of people being selfish and people being stupid and i think that's that's probably the worst reason for this to happen i agree now, let's talk about that play. Uh, what was it? Col- Columbine? Columbiners. Columbiners. Uh, what's your role in the play? I'm playing a jock. So that's, that's my character's name. I'm playing jock, and I'm playing um, one of the shooters, uh, Dylan Klebold. I feel, like I, I feel like I messed up the last name, but it's, I feel like I'm Dylan's parents, and I am jock. So jock is just... Uh, I mean, I just saw I just saw a movie. It's called Loose, and it's about um, an African American uh, student being captured, uh, not captured, uh, being uh, rescued from a war torn country, and then he becomes, and then he's adopted by a white family, and he becomes an honor student, and he's a great, and he's a great athlete. So I decided to take that interpretation. Like after like after watching the movie, I'm just like, yeah, that's actually the perfect interpretation for my character. So essentially, I'm a jock, but I'm but I'm an asshole. Like that's my whole my whole thing is that I'm I feel like my character is one of the main causes for. I mean, besides everything else, I feel like the way that they're treated by my character and a few other characters drive the shooters to do uh, do take the actions that they do. So, um, uh, my character, he's he's an asshole, but I feel like I want to make him a character. I feel like I want my interpretation, my spin on him is that he does everything he has to do, and he feels like anyone who doesn't it, like doesn't deserve to be recognized, and that's and he even says so like explicitly during in one of my lines. So. And I'm obviously also playing Dylan's parents. So Dylan's parents are probably one of the biggest victims in the action. The action, besides obviously the people who were killed and the parents who lost their kids as well as them, but they they also had to go through the beration of other people like shitting on them, shitting on their kids, and in an action that they weren't 100% able to prevent because they weren't 100% aware of it. And it's a it's it's such a it's such a the topic is is so hard to like so hard to get into without really being without really getting into political opinion and but um overall i just feel like this this work this play kind of reflects the failures of the failures of society and its taking of mental health and and its stance on things like i'm not going to say i'm not going to say gun control because yes they are linked the whole idea of gun control and uh, mental health causing shootings are they're linked of course but it's just that in this particular instance i don't want i don't want to say that gun control could have prevented this but it's it's more a sense of a it's more a sense of t- not taking mental health seriously and then that leading to the impl- the like the implementation of violence and that and that sucks and it ha- and it sucks that it happened then it happened and ah, i feel like i feel like i could say something more powerful than it sucks but you know i, I mean uh, i think i think that's a pretty powerful enough statement as it stands 
Uh, I feel like when we talk about mental health and gun control in the same context, people who have mental health problems are the victims of gun violence. Because as you know, there are more suicides than there are like actual mass shootings, like actual mass shooting victims. And suicide is done by people who have issues with mental health and feel like they're worthless within the world. Yeah, it's... uh... And I feel like we need to change that conversation. And I think you starring in your play, I think sort of does does the topic of Columbine justice. I feel like with your role in the play, you're sort of highlighting how mental health is important in society. And although it is kind of taken from that, all right, people who have issues with mental health are the perpetrators. um, I feel like you're also kind of doing a good job of, um, of highlighting the other side where people who have issues with mental health are also kind of the victims. Is that an accurate description? Uh, Yeah, I feel, I feel like that is because, uh, it's just it's it's such a complicated um it's such a complicated thing to talk about, which is why I understand why it's such a it's such a big deal and such a hard thing to have a stance on politically. But it's just uh, the conversation needs to be brought up more and it needs to be taken with as much seriousness as a as an actual life. Like if if you feel like losing a life is important, that means this conversation in itself should be important. And the, the fact that we have little to no funding within mental health, with the like, government's help with mental health, it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. There needs to be more, there needs to be more action and there needs to be more, there needs to be more of a conversation. Things need to be opened up. And, you know, thinking about, thinking about it, I, I don't know, I don't know what that has to do with um, the whole, with the whole topic of shooting, but it's just, I feel like in general, that needs to be, it needs, the topic needs to be broached more. Yeah. Um, the thing, you know, taking psychology for the past two years, uh, one of the things that I've learned personally is that mental health is more sort of genetical and biological than anything else, meaning that meaning that like genes sort of play a role of mental health more than anything like more than anything else. So it's like a mix of the environment around you and the and the, the genetic cards in which you're given, the genetic yeah. code in which you're given because it doesn't matter how good your genes are. If you grew up, if you grow up within a shitty environment, you're gonna come you're gonna out shitty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Now onto a more light acting role. Great. All okay. right. For those, have you heard of the movie Frozen? Now, there's oh, this Christ. old white man oh, with a no. beard, <laughs> and uh, Fe- guess who played that old white man in a beard for a musical in real life? Phoenix Pierre. Okay. How did that happen? Okay. <laughs> okay, so I played the Duke of Wesselton. If, if, I feel like what you should do right now is um, take a picture of that from Google. Take a picture, any picture you can find of me, and then put them next to each other and show how different we look. It's done. Uh, and it's just, uh, uh, I, did the, I did the show for Miami Children's Theater, MCT. I, I love MCT. I love my friends there. Shout goes out to Julian. I love that man. He's, he's my boy. And, uh, uh, so I did. The, he, he's the one who forced me to do the show. Him and a couple of other people, like Phoenix, you should do the show. I'm just like, I don't want to. I want to sleep. And they're just like, No, 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 no. Please, if you do the show, we'll take you. We will help you get there. Because like the only the main issue with me and MCT shows is that MCT is in Kendall, and I live in downtown Miami. It's a 30 minute, 40 minute drive, and like I don't have a car. So so it, it's a nightmare to get over. There. 
so my friend said if you do it we will help you we will probably we'll do everything we can to get you there i was like fine i'll do the show but like i don't i really don't want to do i really don't want to do like a super minor role you know and they're just like all right fine i get that if you don't want to do a super minor role you don't have to and i was like all right great so i go and uh i do my audition it wasn't my best audition by far because i was super sick i think the week before and I just, want, I just want this to be known widely. Still to this day, I have no idea how I got it. I'm 90% sure that I got it from a water bottle. No, I'm not 90%. I'm 100% sure I got it from a water bottle. I got mono the week before. No fucking idea how. But I got mono and I couldn't sing for shit. And I was, and I was like, and I, and I, and yeah, it was disgusting. Because um, that was like my lowest point last year. Because like when I can't, like when I lose something that I worked to build, like, for example, if I had a PC and I built it myself, I would get super sad if like something had happened to it that was out of my control. Like me getting mono, like I had no idea how I got it. So it was out of my control and I lost my voice for a couple of days and I couldn't sing well for even longer than that. I think like maybe like three, four weeks, almost a month. And I couldn't sing. So, this, so that my friends were like, okay, this will be a good way for you to train your voice back up so you can feel better. So I did the show and then I got called back for that role. And I and and I'm just like, yo, I'm not going to callbacks. I'm not I'm not going because I don't I don't want to do a, a role that's not a singing role because um it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense for me at the time and I was too tired and it, and it felt like I don't know it felt and it, it didn't feel great to get called back for something I real I, what I really wanted to get was Kristoff because on Broadway Kristoff was black and I love all of Kristoff's songs and I'm just, ah. I love I love Kristoff as a character, so I really wanted to do it. So I did it, and I had a great time. What makes you want to be young Spi Miles Morales? Oh my God! I was wondering when we get here. All right, all right. Uh, <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, which I feel like all of you should, because that movie was incredible. Miles Morales is the Black Spider-Man. He is Afro. He is African American and is Latino. I am African American and Latino. I'm Haitian and Dominican, and uh, essentially. The role just hits really, really close to home for me. Um, Miles is a kid who, who grew up in Brooklyn, which is essentially the downtown Miami of New York. And I can say that with confidence because I've been there. It, it's, it's its own borough and it's its own city, it has its own life. But it, when I went there, it felt a lot like home for me. Because I mean, my mom was born in Brooklyn, so maybe it was that. But um, it was just, uh, it, it, fe it feels a lot like home. But his experiences, his personal endeavors with art and being able to portray a character that goes through hardship, that goes through struggle, not only with, you know, having to handle spider powers and, you know, be a superhero, but also have to go to school and make sure he makes his parents proud and make sure he makes people he cares about most proud in terms of, uh, like, a, in terms of, like, an achievement aspect. Like, that, that's something I relate with so much. And ever since I was a little kid, I loved Peter Parker. Like, I love Peter Parker's Spider-Man. And I felt like the only thing that kept me from being Spider-Man was the fact that I was black, and I and I and, and it and it sucked. Like as a kid, it was it was the worst feeling because I was always thinking I can never be Spider Man, and I will never see a I will never see a superhero that looks like me. Black Panther existed for a while before then. I didn't know about that, but like there was there was no Black Panther on screen, because I was like five six when these Spider Man movies came out, or I was born when the first Spider Man came out. But like as Spider Man movies came out, like I was I was a kid. And, and Spider-Man and superhero movies weren't super popular back then the way they are now. So seeing my favorite superhero at the time being on screen like that, and it was, it was, it was really, it was like, oh my God, I would love to do that. But it's just like, I'm, I'm nothing like Peter Parker because I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not white. And that, and that really, and that really, really sucked. But as I got older and I, and I saw and I read the Miles Morales comics, I'm just like, yo, that is so cool. 
Like it's it's so it's so awesome that I can see a Spider-Man who looks almost exactly like me and who acts almost exactly like me. Uh, <laughs> like on in, in a, and brought to media in such a big way. And it's and it's it's it was so it was so refreshing. It was so and it was so it was inspiring, man. It was it was one of the things that drove me to say like if I can be an actor, this is the role that I have to play because if I can do this, I can show kids and I can show people who are just like me stuff like oh like Spider-Man can look like me. Superheroes can look like me. And obviously they did that in a huge way with Black Panther. But also what I consider kind of a disconnect with Black Panther is that, yo, T'Challa is a king, bro. Like he has his whole country. Like even that isn't isolated, isn't isolated like instance. Like Wakanda, obviously it isn't real, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a great representation of black culture and everything and I love it. But it's also such an, it's an isolated place. It's literally, its whole point is being isolated from the rest of the world. So that, so that was something I'm just like, ah, but if they can see like a teenage black kid swinging from like building rooftop to rooftop and it's, uh, and they can, and they can relate with him and they can see that, oh, he's also insecure and he's also struggling in school. And he's also has parents that are overbearing. And, uh, and I feel like that is a lot more powerful than just the representation that was brought in with Black Panther. I love what Black Panther did and I love what Black Panther opens the door for, but having a movie based on Miles Morales, even in animated form, it was it was, it was so much more to see a character that we can relate with in terms of situation as opposed to in terms of just skin color, you know? So I feel like, I feel like Miles is the pinnacle for me because I feel like I, I know I can portray that role well and I know that, I, that my entire life I've been, I've been idolizing superheroes, especially Spider-Man. And there's nothing, and there's nothing I'd want to do more than give that feeling of hope to someone else through this character. All right. Uh, it's been great to have you on, but as you know, all great things right. must end. Of course, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. This is great, man. I, I didn't, I, yeah, man. All right. Thanks for hey. coming on, Phoenix Pierre. Yo, Phoenix. So yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? Of course, bro. Anytime you need me. All right. All right, bye. If you really like this episode, please subscribe or whatever it is you do on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast to add me and make sure that you're available and you can see when future content is uploaded. Thank you. Bye.